Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to Notes from the North. Kyle and Sam here. And Kyle, we get to talk about a win, uh, but I know we were talking a little bit even just as we were getting started today. And uh, a win, but still kind of the same old in terms of what we've seen with the Vikings in terms of just... Um, yeah. A lack of smoothness, maybe with with this team and and just what they are doing and and the product that uh, we continue to see week in and week out on the field. Yeah, I mean, I think Vikings fans are going to feel happy just in so far as they got a win, which is obviously kind of what you want to see when you go into a game, especially against a division rival. Uh, they're one and zero against the division. It's their only opportunity. It was against the Bears, but then it's also like. You know, it's one and zero against the division opponent, and it's the Bears who didn't have Justin Fields for a good portion of the game, who unfortunately had to miss time. And the kind of the funny thing, Sam, and this isn't really meant to be uh, a criticism, even if maybe it comes across that way, it almost felt like Chicago's play calling shifted gears when Fields left, made it more simple. You know what I mean? Kind of did shorter stuff, kind of integrated DJ more effectively, and kind of almost made a game of it. And so the Vikings were it not for a really, really poor pass that Byron Murphy ended up intercepting at the end. I think a lot of Vikings fans are probably feeling a little bit nervous with how that was going. I mean, you basically had a six minute offense at, at the end and an undrafted rookie quarterback getting his start is threatening to not only drain all the clock, but if he scores a touchdown there or the offense rather scores a touchdown, you got a PAT to win the game 20 to 19. I mean, when you're watching that, were you kind of saying, oh man, this is like peak Vikings? It it was like I, I was watching, and again, Justin Fields, for whatever you want to say about him, he's still a, a talented quarterback. Again, he makes yeah. throws. He's he's uh he's kind of one of those dual threat quarterbacks where he can run and and the Vikings have struggled against him. Uh, and any other quarterback that can that can run uh that's true for, yeah for a that's while true. but but yeah like the first series that this this guy came in like the Vikings smothered him I was like this is it and yeah then, Josh Metellus strip sack and then touchdown Jordan Hicks was that was like, the game winning score that's like getting the game winning goal yeah. yeah and it was like I was like oh man like this is gonna get ugly and then right he said right. the play calling did seem to move and I was like wow this guy is and again, I was like, is this because the play calling or is this like the Vikings just not being able to capitalize on an opportunity where, again, you're playing one of bottom three teams in the league, uh, yeah. missing their starting quarterback, and you're still in danger of losing this game. Right. Right. No, it's – I mean, so Justin Fields finished his day 10 for 6 for 58 yards. Quarterback rating of 36.7 which is poor, like really poor. Whereas Badgett came in, he was 10 for 14 for 83 yards and had a 56.5, which again is very, very bad. But uh, the offense kind of had a little bit of life. Now I know there's like, there's context in there insofar as the Vikings are protecting two score lead late in the game. They're therefore playing a little bit softer. Right. And so I, I get there's context kind of within that. Um, even still a little bit concerning, especially, you know, this going back to kind of the comment you made, Sam, about 
you know, the rhythm was kind of lacking to a certain extent. I mean, the Bears still held on to the ball for more than 35 minutes, which is an issue. And the Vikings even won the turnover battle three to one. So you get the strip sack, you get a couple interceptions. Jordan Hicks almost looked like a, he almost looked like a second baseman or a shortstop, you know, kind of getting into the outfield and catching the ball over his head. You know what I mean? On, on that interception kind of going out. And so I can't imagine you practice that very much as a linebacker getting an interception like that. So good on Jordan Hicks with the focus to actually get the play done. But, and then of course he's, he scooped and scored, which is amazing. Uh, but even with the turnovers, you still lose the time of possession battle pretty handily, uh, which again, like if you do that against San Francisco, if it's 35, 11 to 24, 49 in favor of Kyle Shanahan, like you're freaking cooked, dude. Like you're like, like short of like really kind of crazy wonky things happening. You're toast. You're toast. I mean, these, these are, you've won against the Panthers and the bears, which like, you don't criticize them for winning those games. Those are games you should win because those are terrible teams, but I don't know how much confidence we're supposed to have. If those are the only two wins you have, do you know what I mean? No, no two, two wins against, I think, Pretty convincingly bottom three, definitely bottom yeah. five, but probably yeah. bottom three teams in the league. And again, no criticism. These teams are, they're at uh, a stage in their development as, as a team uh, where yeah. it's, it's understandable. Um, both yeah. one score games and both. That's true. Every game this season, the same has been a one score game. And I guess this is where it's just like, um, it's, it's confusing what this team is and I think it's just like I you come yeah. out away from a game like this and I think like you just realize that last year was such a unique opportunity and that you just they found ways to win and yeah it feels more like they're finding ways to lose here um I again I there's a lot of criticism that could be placed here and and that you mentioned the time of possession again maybe what one yeah. thing that feels like it was a little better although it's still shows some of the struggles uh the the play calling between run and pass plays was definitely more even this game than it has been uh in the past you get 22 rushing plays to 31 passing plays uh part of that is going to be about lead um but 2.1 yards per carry uh Mm -hmm. is not good enough for a run game, yeah, especially if you're right. going to try to establish that that time of possession. Now, if I'm not mistaken, coming to the game, I think Chicago was averaging like 3.7 yards against per carry. So their run defense was actually pretty good. Uh, obviously, 2.1 is well short of that 3.7 average. And I know Kevin O'Connell in his post-game presser talked about some of the failures in execution, um, which, you know, I think you can see that in some plays. Uh, you know, Chicago did do a nice job of, uh, you know, getting getting numbers to the ball carrier, which is obviously that's like defense 101. We want as many hats as possible to the ball carrier. Um, and that's just kind of how you play defense, you know, especially, you know, a, a coach, whether you're offense or defense, you always want to do plus one math. And what that means is if there are two blockers coming around this end, we need to have three defenders there. So we have an open man for the tackle. Or conversely, you know, offensively, it's that kind of thing. You know, if they get two deep guys in the zone, we love to flood the zone with three guys because just, just you know, by necessity, they just they just can't cover. So if we can find an open man, there's an explosive there. 
You know what I mean? You see it sometimes really prominently um, when like a really athletic QB is rolling out and you got the defender who's maybe, am I, do I stick with my man and play coverage or do I step up and try and tackle the quarterback? And I'm in this no-win scenario where the quarterback could, could run and get the first down. But if I leave my man, he's going to make this easy completion. And that's that plus one math where you get this one guy responsible for, two, or trying to be responsible for two guys. And it, it's no good. It's no good. Like it, it just puts that guy in an impossible bind. And so Chicago, I think, did a nice job of getting numbers, you know, to, to the ball carrier. And you give them credit for that. But then I, I wonder, I find myself wondering, what is the offense's identity? How, how does this offense win? Now, the obvious answer is just Justin Jefferson. But like saying a single player's name isn't really much of an identity, is it? I mean, there's a lot of talk about continuity, about being more multiple, bringing in Josh Oliver to be that blocking specialist. He's also a sneaky pass catcher. Um, retaining CJ Ham on that extended deal, again, more multiple. You know, he can thump you. He can do multiple things well. You know, he's been in there a fair bit, even on passing downs to maybe either chip the DN before releasing or stay in to, to do some pass pro. But I do wonder uh, what is the offense's identity? Uh, and we're now more than a year into the Kevin O'Connell experience. And there are good moments for sure. Uh, I mean, they're pass, pass, pass. That's a staple part of who they are. Uh, but without Jefferson, that becomes a lot less tenable. So I, I do wonder, you know, how is this team going to win? What are this kind of staple things they're going to do? Um, it was they were really out of sorts yesterday. I thought they were, and I think that's a good question. I think that's maybe even one of the big questions that surrounds this team because I think we've talked about the defense actually feels like it's been relatively okay. Uh, like yeah, not, yeah. not bad, and it's really it's been the offense that's been the discouraging piece and. I, you you talk about yeah. what is the offense and like what is the identity and again Justin Jefferson is incredible and in some ways um, when you have a guy like that who is elite of the elite uh, you do want them to be the focal point of the offense of course. but obviously but did, should be yes and but I found yesterday I was like so like what do you do now and again you want it to be a committee but I was also like sitting there. Hawkinson didn't have a target, if I'm not mistaken, until more than halfway through the second quarter. Uh, And I was like, like, you think that someone like, like he needs to be more involved again. He ended up leading the team, uh, both in targets uh, and receptions and yards uh, Mm -hmm. yesterday by, by the end, I hit a really nice catch there at the sideline. But he had the one kind of contested that was dropped, which was unfortunate. It was kind of in and out of his hands. Yes. Um, that was kind of an inter- intermediate area, um, which was like Cousins put that ball on the money. Like yeah. that's that's not a Cousins issue at that point. I, I know it's a tough catch, but Cousins put that ball where it needed to be. Right. And I, there has been some drops for sure. Uh, yes. And I think yesterday there was, that was uh, on display. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I just you you wonder, and I think um, again you mentioned like this was against the Bears, uh, friggin' Bears. Yeah, you've you've got coming into this week now. You've got uh, a difficult matchup. I mean, we'll we'll wrap up this game before we talk about that game. Um, yeah, but we since we last talked, we did have the news of Jefferson's out minimum of four games. Uh, yeah, who knows what happens? And so it's like it does feel. 
obviously you want Jefferson in there, but it also feels like maybe there is an opportunity here of figuring out a little bit of like, what are we and what do we have without it having to be yeah. the Justin Jefferson yeah. show? Yeah, no, I, I, like I did actually write about this last week saying that Kevin O'Connell needs to evolve. Um, and basically it's, it's not just like a run pass balance though. That is an important part of it. Um, but it's just like, yeah, how do we, who are we? How do we win? Uh, and so much of that is wrapped up in Jefferson and his gravitational pull. I mean, he just has such a power within the secondary. He gets eyes on him, uh, even to the point of guys maybe not playing responsibilities perfectly because there's such an emphasis on number 18. Where is number 18? How can we make life difficult for that guy? Um, and so obviously when you take out the cornerstone, the house feels a little bit shaky. And that's fine. And I, it doesn't necessarily need to work, look perfect in week six, your first game without Jefferson. Um, but the offenses kind of look shaky even with Jefferson, right? And turnover problems have been an issue. I, I don't know. I think the referees got it wrong on that. They overturned um, uh, that, that that call where it looked like the, the Bears linebacker recovered the ball on the sidelines. I think that could have been a second turnover for the Vikings. I don't know what you saw in that one, Sam, but if anything, I think this is probably a three to two. It's, it's in reality, it's three to one um, cousins through the pick, but Oh man, I think that could have been another turnover there and it's struggling to run the football. Cleveland went out with an injury, which was really discouraging. Kevin O'Connor was kind of not vague, but yeah, vague kind of by necessity because he doesn't actually know the severity of the issue, but he was saying it was kind of like a foot injury. For Ezra Cleveland, so we'll kind of see with him. Um, not a good enough job running football. Uh, not good enough job of, you know. I still am concerned about T.J. Hawkinson. Yeah, he led the led the team in targets and catches, but he averaged eight point three yards per reception. Like the amount of tight ends who can average eight something per reception. It's just not hard to find those guys. It's it's just not. You can find those guys basically at any round. Of, I mean, Tyler Conklin got him in the fifth round, and he can do that. He did more than that. And so I I, I question some of the usage some usage sometimes with Hawkinson, given that he can attack you intermediate wise. He the dude actually moves well. This isn't actually a Hawkinson criticism, though. I do think there should be some criticism for some of those contested catches he didn't get. The dude's actually capable of doing damage downfield. I just wonder about him being that safety blanket. He can do that effectively, but he can do more. And so I wonder if we're getting the most sometimes out of these guys. Uh, Minnesota, that is. So it's... Anyhow, it, it's it's kind of an interesting issue they find themselves in. Is is There was so much talk about year two. Kirk Cousins finally gets the same voice in his, in his ear, you know, year to year. That's, that's a huge deal. Um, and yet still at times he looks overloaded at the line of scrimmage with options. Still at times it's a bit rushed. Uh, still at times the offense really struggles to find that balance between the different parts, you know, and they have these various weapons. Uh, can they all kind of coalesce in a coherent manner, right? And play off each other in a, in a kind of a, uh, this kind of dynamic way. Um, I'm not saying it's easy. It always sounds easy when Kyle and Sam talk about it. But it is this kind of goal that's in front of the team. And you kind of wonder, oh, boy, you know, is this going to happen? When's it going to happen? Um, 
because two and five right now looks pretty likely unless you're seeing something that I'm not. Yeah, you know, it, it does. And I guess this is the, the challenge, right? Is that um, there have been games that have been winnable that they haven't done it. Uh, Correct. And it does feel like, I think we just, like we talked about rhythm, talked about continuity. Like it just, it feels like something's not quite clicking. And I think even as you look That's at right. Uh, like there's a lot of good pieces. And even I think like the offensive line has like, there's, there's issues, but by a lot of metrics, I know that they've actually not necessarily been um, a problem. Uh, Right. Exactly. And so it's like, even that piece, like, again, it's still, obviously there's, there's flaws, but it's like, you can't just say like, well, you know what, there's a real weakness here. Like it doesn't like, yeah, I feel like, um, Adolfo Mensa has done a pretty good job of putting together a pretty like good team, but it just feels like it's not there. And I, I think you, yeah, you started to mention exactly. the Kevin O'Connell piece. And again, I don't, I don't love us like when we watch sports, putting yeah. it on the coach cause uh, yeah. they're only responsible so much, but I just, I don't know who else to put it on because of where things yeah. are at. Yeah. It's, Okay, so let me put it this way, okay? So yesterday, they were two for 13 on third downs. And that plays into the time of possession issue. In the second half, this, this, is, this, is how their, this is how their drives went in the second half. Punt, punt, missed field goal, which I don't put that on Greg Joseph. That was from 57 yards. And that was his third 50-plus yarder in Chicago. So he's saying, you know, in a, in a, you know like, like kicking in that open-air stadium in the Windy City, friggin' the Windy City. Like, there's a reason why it's called that. Um, so missing a 57-yarder when it's your third 50-plus from the day, I'm not putting that on Mr. Joseph. So punt, punt, missed field goal, punt, punt, downs. Now, the turnover and downs is a little misleading because they were just draining the clock. And so if you really just want to bring it down to those first those first five in the second half, you had four punts and a missed field goal. All right. Uh, and again, I, like, I, I do... I don't want us to be like those ridiculous podcasts or shows where they just kind of lambast this one guy i mean when you have complex problems very seldom is there a monocausal you know reason why a single cause kevin o'connell is not the single cause why this complex issue is taking place but i think we can all see that the offense isn't quite there and i think part of the issue a little bit is that the expectations were really low for the defense. The expectations were really high for the offense. And right now, like, it's not even like the defense has been elite. They haven't. But they've been, you know, they've been okay. You know, they're kind of maybe taking steps towards becoming average. And I think a lot of Vikings fans are happy about that, given where they've been. But then the offense, meanwhile, they finished as a top 10 crew last year. And the expectation was that they were going to bring that even higher. Right, because of the continuity and adding Addison to the fold, Josh Oliver is supposed to give you that new dynamic, yada yada yada, and it just hasn't happened. If anything, they've taken a step back, and so rather than being you know really good and becoming elite, they were really good, and now they're kind of slipping back into average, right? And so again, I want to avoid the kind of monocausal, you know, let's put Kevin O'Connell on blast. It's not at all what I'm saying. I don't think it's what Sam's saying either, but you do look at these trends game to game and you kind of wonder a little bit. You're saying, gosh, okay, what what is Kevin O'Connell? Because he is, the, he is, you know, kind of the CEO of sorts. He's the top dude. 
He is the offensive play caller. He's the offensive architect. And so, and this team is supposed to win because of offense right now. Should have a really good special teams and a really good offense and a defense that's in the midst of a rebuild. The defense itself is rebuilding. So right now they're two and four. And a lot of that comes down to the offense, time of possession, turnovers, poor job on third down, no run pass balance really to speak of, or not in an effective manner, at least. Um, too reliant on Jefferson at times. Uh, you wonder some individual weapons like Hawkinson, uh, does this dude need to get down the field more, you know, kind of thing. And so these are kind of the issues that have been, so one sixth or one third, excuse me, one third of the season is done for six weeks. And these kind of are in there, these issues, I think basically everyone can see. Um, and then the test now, Sam, as if it's, you know, no rest for the weary uh, is Monday night football and the Niners and kind of all the challenges they present, right? Yeah. Well, I, I think, um, I don't think it's uh, in any way controversial to say the best team in the NFL uh, is who they'll be I going think up so. against. Like, I think, yeah. I think that feels yeah. uh, like, a, not, not that it's clear cut. Cause again, you can see even they lost yesterday. Um, yeah. The, the one piece, again, as we sit here Monday morning, we know that there's some injury concerns with both McCaffrey and Samuel uh, coming out of yesterday's game. Again, they've got eight days to get ready, and it doesn't seem like either was too serious, but definitely yeah. um, I, you never want that, like, for someone to be injured, but, like, it... it it would be it's gonna be very hard for the Vikings to be competitive if those guys are in. That's still gonna be hard even if they're not. Uh, yeah. But it does feel a little bit like this is uh, you, you talk about the the third of the way through the season. Like it it does. Yeah. I guess like I don't I don't think either of us are at a spot where we're ready to give up on the season. Like it just feels too early. Like I've seen a lot of. Mm-hmm. conversations about trade Neil Hunter, like try, like trying to yeah. figure out who's got all the value of trading and like just feels a little bit like a loser mentality to, to give up on a season this early. Uh, and I right. think the right. piece that it, like it, it does feel like the issues that are there are fixable. Like it doesn't feel like it has, it's like a terrible roster construction piece. Um, but it is, it does, in some ways, it doesn't feel like this 49ers game is coming at the best time for the Vikings. I don't know if the Vikings or their fans are ever going to say that 49ers and Monday Night Football comes at a good time. No. But that's just never really what you want to see, I think, for the Vikings. But at least it's a bit of a measuring stick to see. You know, San Francisco is the team that Minnesota wants to become. Year in, year out. I mean, and let's not forget, where did Quasi get his start? San Francisco. And then he went to Cleveland, and then now here he is in Minnesota. So San Francisco really is is who Minnesota wants to be. Um, and even down to like some of the simples of like simple parts of like the roster construction of right now, and you think what they're able to do in in large part because of Brock Purdy being on that rookie deal and how they're able to invest in other positions. And I know there's been a lot of speculation about, you know, especially if the Vikings continue doing really poorly. Uh, if Cousins ends up going elsewhere, either via trade or free agency later on, you know, getting that young quarterback and then 
paying the Christian Darius paying the Justin Jeffersons, maybe paying the Daniel Hunters, right? And so on and so forth, and kind of leveraging those four or five years of cheap, cheap QB play. Uh, easier said than done because you could very easily have n- name your quarterback wasn't worked out, Zach Wilson, right? Or, you know, whoever whoever the case may be, kind of thing. Sorry, Zach Wilson. Um, I know you listen to notes from the North. But the point point being that uh, San Francisco is kind of this aspirational team, team that the Vikings aspire to become like, uh, but certainly aren't there yet. I don't think. I don't think anybody could really debate that. Um, one other thought there, Sam. San Francisco is where they're at in large part because of a very poor season they had uh, a few years ago. Where they finished that again, I've written about this for PTSD, and uh, they ended up uh, underperforming. I think they went like four and twelve or something like that. And in that draft, that was in twenty eighteen or they were in the twenty nineteen draft, I believe. They drafted Nick Bosa at the top of the first, and then Debo Samuel at the top of the second. And they were that was kind of like an artificially poor season for San Francisco for a variety of factors. And then they they come right back next year with those two. And they end up losing the Super Bowl. And they've been, you know, pretty good since then. You know, one exception aside. But point being that for Minnesota's sake, if they do really have a poor, poor season, because what Sam is saying is basically true, the roster actually has some talent. It's not perfect, but like they're better than two and four, right? And I mean, but then if you have that potential to potentially mimic what's going on in San Francisco by building around that young quarterback, potentially by getting that really, really high-end draft capital and, you know, and, and onboarding those potentially great, great players uh, at premium positions on cost-controlled deals for like four years or so, that's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And San Francisco has done kind of like a bit of a, like a masterclass in how to do that. Haven't really paid off in terms of a Lombardi, but every year they're a juggernaut. And there to me is basically just the, they're the class of the NFL. I don't think there's any way the Vikings win this game, even though it's at home. I mean, the Vikings are 0-3 at home, so it hasn't been much of an advantage thus far. I just cannot see a, a win here unless you're seeing something that I don't. I think the Vikings love this. I think this is this is bulletin board material right here. That's right. Um, pin, pin it up. Kyle from North from North said. Gladly. You know, and look, if they prove me wrong, I love it. And I I guess, like, really, I think it's just, can they be competitive in this game? And I think, like, at one point it felt... I hate that that mentality, though. It's just like, like, it's, like, good enough, but you lose by four points. So we say, hey, that was pretty good. It's like, screw that. But I know know what you mean, but it's like... Like, I guess, like, yeah, no, I'm... Again, I don't... Like, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. I just, I think that there is a very real possibility that the Vikings lose by over 20 right yeah like yeah and i guess that's what i was like if that's the case then it's like like what's the point of watching uh right in a sense and like you said the like the vikings just seem to be this one score yeah type of team and and yeah in some ways it's frustrating to watch because it's like it's, it just feels like it's right there but uh mm-hmm. I, like you said it does feel like a bit of a measuring stick type of of game and so i Again, I I don't I don't love the idea of just like being competitive, but I really what that is is I feel like it's they need to put themselves 
in a place where they have a chance to win. And then you, you say, you know, you want them to finish the job, but, but at the end of the day, like, I don't want to be watching a game where by halftime it's like, wow, like, yeah, I could turn this TV off or I could leave it on. Yeah. yeah. But again, and then you have the Indianapolis game from last year and you, you learn yeah, with right. teams, you never turn the game off. Right. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I am intrigued to see it's, it's, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what happens. Cause I think it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting matchup when you get to go against the best. That's true. Uh, and they went into Philly in week two and had a one score game in Philadelphia. So, yeah. and that would be a team that's, you know, more or less on par with San Francisco. So that would suggest that at least there's the potential to keep it close. And we'll kind of see what that means uh, in week seven. Yeah. We're- Only other thought I'll see there, I'll say there, Sam, before finishing it off, what I'm most looking to see in uh, in this game is really just how the defense performs. I know we talk, at least when all the time talk about the defense, but I really want to see, you know, does Josh Metellus keep making those impact plays? Does the Caleb Evans, you know, continue showing that physicality as a tackler and have some sticky coverage? What do you see out of Ivan Pace? Does Mark and Davisport, is, can he come back and, you know, and be disruptive? Because the, these are the dudes who you're building your defense around. And if you want to be a good defense next year, the year after that, so on and so forth, it's largely going to be because these players are still around. They've taken steps. You've surrounded them with more talent, so on and so forth. And so I'm really curious to see how Brian Flores does against Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan being this like master tactician. Uh, it'd be fascinating. Yeah, no, me me too. I, I mean, you, you got your final point and I'll make my final point. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea to like, and again, you don't get to choose, but I don't like the idea of playing one of, if not the best team after a loss. Uh, Cause right. I don't, right. I, I don't think San Francisco is uh, thrilled right. about losing. And so uh, I don't, I, uh, I think they're going to be bringing everything they got. So it's right. It would right. be interesting to see, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll wrap up there again uh, with the Monday night game. We'll be back not on Monday, but uh, next Tuesday. Uh, again, Kyle mentioned a couple of pieces that he's he's written. Certainly, go over and check out purpleptsd.com, vikingsterritory.com. Take care, everyone. Have a good week, and uh, we'll be back after the San Fran game. Take care, everyone.